Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Happy Mum, Happy Baby, Asking for a Friend. This week, we are talking about possibly my favourite area of parenting. I absolutely love it. It's weaning. I just love every single thing about it. Like the idea of giving my babies food. I'm such a foodie. I just adore it. The, the, seeing them with food in their hands, them turning it round and inspecting it, seeing them try to smudge it in their faces, put it in their mouths, but it's all over everywhere. I've got so many photos of my kids smothered with food, like top to toe. And they are my most cherished. Um, so we're talking all about weaning today and our expert this week is Charlotte Sterling-Reed. Charlotte is the baby and child nutritionist. She's also an author and mum to two little foodies and the owner of consultancy SR Nutrition. It's her mission in her work to give parents confidence in feeding their children. Hello. Hello. 
Thank you for having me. Thank and I you. think you probably love weeding as much as I love talking about it too. Oh, I just love it. And I don't know if it's the Italian in me, just the very mm. thought of them going onto that stage. Mm. I just adore it. And I can remember taking Buzz to Sardinia. We were at my sister's wedding venue and uh, he had a plate of food and he'd always, like the child portions were just not enough for Buzz. Like, yeah. He loved it. Um, and he would have been about a year old. And he had... His whole face was bright red from how he had completely devoured the food. It had all gone in, mm. but at the same time, like he was smudging his face. The locals <laughs> were coming in and taking photos of him oh, because he just it. loved it so much. So I absolutely love this area. I love it. And do you know what? That's honestly, I really think that for a lot of parents who are very nervous about it, what I want to do is try and instill some of that excitement yeah. and some of that. This can be you know weaning really can be it's such an exploration and it's such an exciting time for kids so you know that that I, I want to emulate that in a lot of other parents I love yeah. it <laughs> and so much of it is play oh definitely and I think if we can bring play much more you know a lot of parents are very anxious about introducing solid foods or it's not going very well and mm. I always try and say think about it as just another part of that fun time in the day so you know they might have sleep and they might have play time and they might have tummy time and they might have um, you know a group they go to think about weaning as just another part of that so this is another part of that exploration and that learning because weaning is learning and yeah. lots of parents feel that you know babies should hopefully sit down and just eat that food but actually that doesn't always happen you know because sometimes they just want to play yeah and it can be a bit of like when you've been building yourself up yeah. going, this is it this is the moment i'm going to give them something and either they don't really like maybe they mm. might have it in their hand they might smudge it around their forehead but never actually get it into their mouth yeah or they might look like they're not actually taking anything in mm. That's fine. That's all just part of it. It's that just, is part of it. It's just you realising they're not going to eat a whole plate yeah. of food straight away. Yeah, and sometimes it's our expectations. You know, yeah. we think, well, I've made you this, so you probably ought to eat it all. But whereas, you know, actually, who's saying what that portion size is? Kids are so different, as you've just yeah. highlighted. And some children have really small appetites and other children have really big appetites. And it's so variable. And I think, you know, we have this idea that... You know, this is the plate I've made, so really that ought to all go. Whereas that's our expectations. That's but not what that they need. Our expectation from our childhood as well, though. Very, very possibly, and there is a lot of that in it. You know, we we probably grew up in an age where it was clear your plate, yeah. and the generation even before us was very much like you do not leave anything. You know, we're we're talking. You know, we food is limited. Yeah. We're eating everything, um, and you know, so I think that there is very much come a time where we do think, oh, this plate has to go. You know, and actually we know now from loads of research that mm. that kind of slight pressured eating just doesn't help so let them lead it and I, I'm such a you know I love talking about that let them lead it let them lead how much and what part of that meal they eat and you be in charge of what you offer and how that meal time you know what time and how that meal time runs basically because yeah, I guess if you're saying to a child you can't leave the table mm. until everything's gone mm. they're not listening to their body at all no definitely not and, and it is pressure you know and we know from research that pressure to eat actually has the opposite effect. It makes that food less desirable. Mm. And I always say to parents, put yourself in that position. If you went to a restaurant and you had a friend next to you saying, no, you're, you're not actually leaving until you've finished all of that, you'd be thinking, well, I'm not coming back here and I'm not coming <laughs> with you again. So, you know, it's it's just that thinking, you know, we we putting pressure on children just is so, so, so shown just not to work. It honestly does the opposite. And although as parents, the pressure is actually part of our innate wanting to nurture yeah. and wanting to care and 
look after and wanting to feed because we know food's important. But I think sometimes take the pressure off ourselves and say, we're not in control of whether they actually swallow this food. We're in control of offering it Mm -hmm. and they're in control of how much actually goes in. And sometimes just releasing that pressure can be all that's needed to help them enjoy that mealtime a bit more and eat a little bit more. Yeah. And I love, honestly, I say to all my followers that phrase, that's okay, you don't have to eat it. You know, that's one of the most important things you can use around the table because it takes that pressure off. It makes them think, oh, I'm not going to get loads of, you know, attention for this. That, that's it. It's yeah. finished. If you don't eat it, you don't have to eat it. You're in charge, you know, and I think kids love, as I said, that autonomy. Mm. And sometimes giving them that autonomy, it's your decision, can actually make that problem much less significant. Right, we're going to be coming to you for more tips and tricks. <laughs> but first, yep. we ask every guest on Asking for a Friend the three most asked questions that mm-hmm. you get asked. Yeah. So, go. What do you get asked about the most? Okay, so the first thing I probably do get asked about is, I would say, my little one is not taking to weaning. Help. Right. I get that so often. It's really common. And I think it's the pressure within ourselves that we feel like it should go a certain way. But mm-hmm. as you've said yourself, kids are all different. Yeah. I all take to things like weaning at different paces, but that's probably you know the most common And what do you say within that? Just kind of go follow their lead? Yeah, basically. Follow their lead. Try not to worry too much about it. But there's lots of other things as well. So I would normally encourage, you know, things like checking on on milk intakes. If milk intakes are really, really high, that can definitely impact on food because they're going to be full up on milk and and why would they need food? You know, food is a skill. It takes a lot more energy. So I definitely check that. I check on routine, you know, how is that food fitting into the routine? Are we trying to offer it when they're overtired? Yeah. Are we offering it when they've just had a milk feed and just aren't hungry? So I'd encourage that. And I'd also say, are you eating with them? I cannot tell you it's so huge, the eating together, Mm. because kids pick up on how to eat, what to eat, enjoyment of eating from observation. So if you're not sitting with them, honestly, it can really, really turn things around quite quickly. Yeah. And it's sitting with them, but sitting with them and eating. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I completely agree with you. Yeah. They're sitting and eating because, again, you know, they learn a love of food. You know, as you say, you're a foodie. So your kids have probably grown up watching you enjoy and want to eat. And, you know, we're the same. I love food. I'm always thinking about food. (laughs) And, you know, that's if kids see that, they're much more likely to pick up on that and feel that themselves. Whereas if they're sat down at a table on their own and no one else is eating with them, Mm. they're not going to see that, you know, enjoyment and the variety and all of that. So I think, yeah, trying to do that is something I always try and really encourage. But some kids, you know, do just take a little bit of time to get used to it. It's a skill. It's complex. So, you know, give yourself time and patience and, and let them explore and have fun with it, basically. Yeah. yeah, there is definitely a period anyway, isn't there, when you first start doing it? I think everyone's expecting this moment where, mm. and now we're there. Yeah. But actually, it, it can be a slow lead into it definitely and all of a sudden one day there's su- yep. there's a lump of something in their poo and you know that they've definitely eaten <laughs> they've something. swallowed something yeah exactly <laughs> uh, what else that. are you asked um so the probably again what another one of the most common questions i'm probably asked about is milk intakes and how much milk children should be having it is a minefield for yeah. parents. Parents are really baffled by it. And, you know, you've got a six-month-old baby's had all they've had through their lives is milk. And then all of a sudden, boom, we're introducing food. And it's like, well, how much milk should they have now? And yeah. are they eating loads of food? Should they still be having loads of milk? Or they're not eating very much food at all? Should we be giving them milk instead? So milk baffles parents. Mm-hmm. It really does. And I think, you know, milk is still very important post-weaning. 
it still should provide a, a substantial proportion of their food intake. Yeah. But uh, Sorry, of their calorie intake. But as their food intake starts to go up, as they start to be able to eat more and develop those skills around eating and they're eating more at each meal, then hopefully naturally milk intake should start to decline. So that by roughly, you know, 10 to 12 months, we're starting to have more in the way of calories from food than mm -hmm. we are from milk. Milk's still important and it still can play a really important role in children's nutrient calorie intakes. But we do need to be, you know, keeping an eye on it to make sure that it's not being offered in place of food because, you know, we need food for lots of things like skill development, tastes, textures, learning to eat, learning to accept a variety. So there's yeah. so many reasons why we need food on top of nutrition. Yeah. I can remember each time going back and looking up, because obviously things change as well in mm. terms of what is recommended. Yeah. But water... Mm. when they're actually allowed to have yeah. water. I can remember each time looking back over that and researching it. Because mm. is it six months now? Is it when food is introduced, they're yeah. allowed to have water? Yeah, but exactly that, basically that. And again, it, the trouble is the advice varies and it yeah. varies from country to country, yes. so it can be quite baffling. But yeah, around six months when you start weaning, we normally say offer sips of water with a meal. Mm -hmm. They don't need much water because actually most of their fluid is coming from their food. Yep. And, you know, fruits and vegetables, for example, and purees are very hard water yeah. content so they're getting lots of fluid that way and also their milk mm -hmm. so they don't need huge amounts but sips of water with a meal and just basically helping them to learn the skills around feeding themselves and sipping rather than sucking like they would from a bottle or a breast yeah that's the aim of, of offering water but yeah around six months <laughs> and what's your final question so final question is probably you know the the whole like you asked today, vegetables are being refused or food's being thrown or they all of a sudden got to 18 months and now they won't eat anything anymore. So common. So really? common. Because really you feel normal. like you've cracked it. Yeah. My child's yeah. eating everything. Yeah. I've done it right. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, mm. plates are being thrown, cutlery's thrown, yeah. food's on the floor. Yeah, totally. And I would, you know, the main thing I would say to parents is it is so normal. You are absolutely not alone because it's probably yeah, one of the biggest things that fills my inbox is parents saying, they ate really well, where have I gone wrong? And I'm thinking, it's not you, it's absolutely not. It's very normal at around 18 months to three years of age for children to go through a phase of, of refusing food. And that comes for so many reasons. There's something called neophobia, where they have a bit of a fear of new food and they start to be a bit more wary about what they're putting in their mouth. Fascinating, I wonder yeah. where that comes from. Well, the theory is that it's from an evolutionary perspective. So, for example, children in nature, years ago when we... We had Foraging. more kind of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They would be a bit more independent, moving around more, making their own choices, having a bit more autonomy. So they'd be becoming more responsible for what they are eating out, you know, out and about and foraging, as you say. So now it's thought that we still have that slight protective mechanism. So it makes sense for children to be wary about what they put into their mouths. Yeah. But Basically, what we have to do as parents is just help to show them that it's safe by mm -hmm. continuing to offer, by letting them see a variety, by letting them see us eating it. And also, you know, again, taking that pressure off and not feeling like we have to get them to eat, remembering that they are responsible for what they're actually eating and we're responsible for what we offer them. And normally it's just a phase. And I think the more that you can make those mealtimes engaging and enjoyable in places they want to be, you know, stepping back from the idea of getting them to eat yeah. and thinking, let's just make this a pleasant environment. And yeah. honestly, that can make a huge difference to it.
And there's so many reasons why they do go off food and it is autonomy. Their growth rate also starts to slow around about right. 18 months. So appetite takes a dip for that reason. So there's lots of logical reasons and it's not you. Yeah. And just go with the flow and try and keep those mealtimes light and pressure free and you'll be on your way. <laughs> for a lot of parents though, if you think like when they first start, especially if it's baby led weaning, mm. vegetables very much look mm. like vegetables. And then it gets to a certain point yeah. where you're suddenly trying to hide the vegetables mm. that they loved when they were six months old. Yes, yeah, it's very true. And in all honesty, I think that continuing to offer. So, you know, we often do do that. And loads of parents say to me, oh, I've been hiding them and I know they're getting them, yeah. which is brilliant. You can absolutely do that. But kids and especially toddlers they like what they're familiar with yeah. they like what they're used to they like their books they like their toys they like their bedding you know they like their routine they like familiarity and it is exactly the same with food you know if our kids start refusing broccoli and we go okay not going to offer that anymore they're not going to accept it yeah. because we need to keep it familiar even if that means it's on their plate or on the side of their plate or you're eating it or other people around the table are eating it that familiarity is really important for helping them to eventually accept it and it might take a long time but you will get there most of the time with familiarity so try not to strike foods off the menu keep them on yeah. keep it pressure free eat it yourself and you know with time you'll build up that variety that they will eat and taste buds change <laughs> yes yeah, yeah, completely. It, it taste buds change and they're all learning, you know, everything is learning for them. And I think, you know, going through, if, if they've been exposed to veg from a young age and you carry on exposing them to that veg, they yeah. are more likely to accept it. And they, again, there's lots of research that shows that as well. But take it away mm. and they're not going to. You're going to have a harder time getting it back in and getting it accepted. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Every podcast episode, we gather questions from the Have Mum, Have Baby community. Yeah. Loads have been in, Okay, as you can love it. <laughs> um, how do I know when my child is ready for food? Oh, good question. So uh, around six months of age, you, you know, it's thought that around six months, and I use inverted commas to say around, yeah. because every child is slightly different, and it's not like six months, boom, they are ready. But around six months is generally the time, but there are a few signs to look out for that help you know whether your baby is ready. And that would be that baby can sit up, hold their head and neck steady, that they can see food, they can pick it up themselves and bring it towards their mouth by themselves so they're developing hand-eye coordination mm -hmm. and that they can basically swallow food. So the way you can tell this is by looking at their tongue thrust reflex and if you put your finger on the bottom of their tongue and their tongue protrudes out really fast, it means that it's possibly a reflex reaction. Between four and six months, that generally starts to reduce, which means that your baby can actually swallow more food and their tongue doesn't just automatically go out and, and push the food out. And that is is one of the signs so you can always pop your finger on their lip and just add between four and six months watch for that sign of that tongue thrust reducing okay. um i did it with ada and i found it fascinating because it really did start to just get less and less and she started to just wait and look at me and then stick her <laughs> tongue out to explore what i was doing <laughs> rather than as a reflex reaction so look out for those three signs in around six months of age and that's normally you're normally pretty much ready to go <laughs> a lot of comments a lot mm -hmm. of questions were around choking Mm -hmm. And I know, so for my mum, the idea of doing baby led was yeah. just so out there, which obviously it mm -hmm. isn't at all. And I can remember being in a restaurant and uh, Buzz was uh, chewing on a piece of broccoli and he had it at the back of his throat mm. and he made this noise and mum instantly panicked. Like, yeah. Chifana! Yeah. I'm like, mum, give him a second. <laughs> He's all right. You know, and but obviously choking is, is something that parents worry about. Massively. Um, so what is your 
advice on that? To react like you did. I love it. I mean, it's so it is so true. Gagging is really common. It's, it's the mouth really, working out what it's doing, right? Exactly. And it, it's, you know, your child, their own a kind of innate system going, oh, quick, get rid of that. Not yeah. quite sure what to do with it. And if they make that noise, you know, and they're, and they're lurching forward, that is their body reacting and getting that food out. Um, sometimes, like you say, they'll just sort themselves out most of the time. And mm-hmm. when, when children gag, we normally say, just leave them and they'll, they will sort it out. Now, choking is very very rare so choking doesn't normally happen but obviously you know it is a worry and I always say to parents if you are worried definitely try a a baby first aid course because it can just teach you if that does happen in the very likely unlikely situation that it does happen you will then feel equipped to know what to do and how to deal with it. And choking children, you know, babies will normally be very silent. They will normally, you you won't be able to get any noise out of them. Mm -hmm. Um, You'll possibly see that their face starts to turn, you know, blue colour. And that's when they need help from you. So they will need you to react and respond. And if you've done a first aid course, then, you know, it honestly can save lives. So I would absolutely say baby first aid course is essential. But just remember that gagging is normal. Some children gag lots and lots. And it's about them learning how to deal with these pieces of food so it's you know important to let them deal with it and then yeah hopefully you won't experience the choking but if you do and you've done a first aid you'll be equipped to deal with it hopefully (laughs) hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Is there anything you should do in prep Mm. of starting your weaning journey? Yeah, I mean, I love this because I think... Actually, I love that you asked that question because... In my experience, so for the last five years, I've been working very much with parents. And one of the things that I have found that helps parents with weaning is confidence. Really? And I know it sounds really simple, but if they just have that little bit of confidence to know, right, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm going to start with this. I know to expect this. I know, you know, this might happen. It might, it might not go brilliantly. If you have confidence in what you're doing and how you're approaching it, it can make all the difference in the world. So I always say to parents, just do whatever you can to boost your confidence before you start, whether that be reading an article, whether that be writing down, whether that be getting the equipment, whatever you can do to feel like you know, I know what I'm doing here, I'm in control. And honestly, that makes such a difference to the parents I work with. That confidence boost, it it can, you know, change your weaning journey because it means that you go in quite happy, quite confident, and that can change how your child approaches, you know, how your baby approaches weaning too. On the choking thing, Mm -hmm. 
should the food be certain sizes for different ages? So, um, yeah, I mean, ideally, when you very start, you know, very first start, if we're talking about finger foods, ideally what you want it to be is roughly the size and shape of an adult finger. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is so that baby can basically hold it and they've got what's called a palmer grasp at that age. So they can just grab it in their palm and have a little bit of food poking out the top that they can then start to self-feed and have a little bit of control over. Yeah. But the most important thing is that the food should be able to be squidged between your finger and thumb. So if you can squidge the food between your finger and thumb, it means that when it goes into baby's mouth, their gums are really tough. The roof of their mouth, their tongue can actually do that squidging action. Mm -hmm. So the fact that especially those very first finger foods, we want them to be squidgeable. And if they're not, then ideally we need to maybe cook them, prep them, mash them, do something slightly different with them. But at the start of weaning, finger-shaped and squidgeable between finger and thumb are the two key elements to reduce the risk of choking happening, basically. Never heard of squidgeable before. Oh, squidgeable. Love I that like word. Squidgeable. <laughs> um, one mum is worried about allergies mm -hmm. and, and wondering what foods to stay to steer clear of and when to introduce those foods. Oh, yeah, this is a good question. And actually another one that I'm asked very, very often. So advice on allergies has actually changed in recent years. And okay. this is why I think a lot of parents are very confused. Back in the day, we did used to recommend, you know, not offering them or delaying the introduction. Yeah. But there's been a couple of huge studies in the UK, which now suggest that early introduction of allergens into a baby's diet is actually beneficial for reducing the risk of them actually developing an allergy. So exposure can reduce that allergy developing. So the advice from NHS now is to be introducing those allergens nice and early into child's diet from the beginning of weaning, more or less. Mm -hmm. um, I normally recommend kind of 10 days of, of single taste of veggies just to get them that exposure and then start going in there with some of those allergens. So yeah. like egg, peanuts. But there are some kind of stipulations and mainly it's that you need to start really small. Mm -hmm. So really small amount. Make sure that it's the only new food you give to your little one that day. Yeah. And then leave a couple of days before you then offer another allergen so that you can just make sure that, you know, there hasn't been a reaction. But also if your little one is at risk of allergy, so if they have an existing allergy or moderate to severe eczema, it's a good idea to potentially speak to a professional because you might benefit from introducing allergens even earlier. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it's honestly, it's such fascinating research and a lot of even medical professionals haven't, you know, aren't quite aware of the new research. But yeah, it's, it's really strong. And in America, in the UK, we massive promoters of early introduction of the allergens. I mean, I've got blogs and there's information about yeah. it in my book because I know people are very nervous about mm -hmm. the, the allergen introduction. So I try and have like step-by-step -step guides to help parents to understand it. But, you know, always, always have a chat with a healthcare professional if you are worried and they can help you to reassure you, hopefully. And things like nuts, is mm -hmm. that done through nut butter? Yeah, so ground nuts or really thin nut butter. I gave my, my daughter so a t a, about a quarter of a teaspoon of nut butter, which is a really small amount. Mm. And I um, actually mixed it with some water and then stirred it into her puree, and she had it that way. But if you're baby-led weaning, you could, you know, stir it onto a stick of um, avocado or yeah. whatever. It's just, you just want that tiny taste. Yeah. And then once they've had it and you've seen no reaction, it's a really good idea to continue to offer it quite regularly in their oh, diet okay. so that again they you make sure that you build that exposure up it's mm. fascinating <laughs> it is fascinating sorry, sorry. Um, should i add herbs and things like garlic or keep it plain and simple 
So at the very, very start of weaning, I would say keep it nice and simple Mm -hmm. just because it's so new for baby and it's good to expose them to those very singular tastes like broccoli, courgette, banana, if you're offering bananas. It's really good to expose them. But as soon as your baby gets used to foods and is enjoying a variety, I always say, yes, go in there with the herbs and spices. Go in there a small amount and build up. So use the ones you use as a family as well because then they're going to start getting used to the flavours that you've got in your cooking and be more ready you know ready to accept them but yeah I mean we use you know nutmeg cinnamon and paprika absolutely love it mm. always regularly in in my kids food as well what's your what's your uh, you know herb goes to <laughs> I mean I love rosemary yes bit of basil cinnamon yeah ground coriander mm. cumin turmeric yep. cumin yeah it's a big one yeah. in ours as well I love it and definitely exposing kids to the ones that you eat as a family I think can really help but like I say small amounts and 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 don't be you know don't don't be afraid to offer foods plain too so yes. a variety you know always comes back to variety but yeah love that question <laughs> uh, someone else has asked um when can we start eating as a family mm. the same meal because I, I for me we used to do cook one meal yeah. and not add salt. And yeah. then when we were sat down, me and Tom would add our, we, we would Love season it. our food. Yeah, perfect. And that's exactly as early as you want to. As early as you want to, you can be giving your babies a part of your meal. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, I always say with weaning, try and have similar food. So if you're giving baby on day one broccoli, well, have your meal and have some broccoli in it. Yeah. You know, see if you can try and bring them into that meal time straight away. You know, for a lot of families, though, they kind of go through that first 10 days and they give the baby the kind of single taste of veggies. And then it's about starting to build on what you offer. So, for example, if your family has spaghetti bolognese, you could quite easily give your one some mince and some tomato mashed up together mm-hmm. or you know you could give some pasta and some cheese together and then start building those meals until you know after a few weeks or maybe a few months depending on your little one they're basically having adapted versions of your of your own family food yeah so yeah straight away go in there <laughs> um does baby dead weaning make your child a less fussy eater no, there isn't research that shows that they will be less fussy. There is a there is research on fuss, uh, on baby led weaning, but it's a bit mixed. Yeah. And ultimately, I don't think there's any way. There's a, not one way that's going to make your child not be fussy. Mm-hmm. It's really about you know, as I said, that kind of taking the pressure off and trying to make the meal times enjoyable and letting them role model and copy you. Yeah. You know, these are things that will really help. But baby led weaning helps in the sense that it's it encourages that independence. Mm-hmm. It encourages that autonomy around food. And, and for them to lead their own journey. But you can do that whether you're baby-led weaning or not. You know, you can let them follow their lead. You can let them start to spoon feed. You can let them throw the spoon across the kitchen. There are so many ways that you can encourage that autonomy. And it doesn't have to just be with that kind of really strict, no spoon, baby-led weaning. They can feed themselves with a the spoon too. And yeah. that, that can work really well and give that flexibility. Someone had actually asked, when should they introduce cutlery? Mm. Well, I think, again, if you were baby-led weaning and you were going down that route of only going to offer, you know, foods that my baby can pick up and feed themselves, that's absolutely fine. But I'm a massive advocate of giving them the opportunity to have a bit of both, you know, give them a spoon, load it for them, let them pick it up, let them feed themselves with it. So I say right from the start, bring that cutlery in. Some babies absolutely take to finger food and will just go to town on it Mm. and other babies will be a little bit more reserved and might prefer some food off of the spoon and both of those are absolutely fine to do there's no reason why you can't mix and match you know the kind of traditional weaning with a bit of with baby led you know 
And I always say true baby led is letting your baby be the one to lead that journey yeah. and, and, you know, take the spoon or take the thing food. And on different days and different weeks, they're going to want one or the other. Mm. So, you know, go for it. Mix of both. And I mean, honestly, my five-year-old still sometimes uses his hand for eating yogurt. I know. You know, it's mad. <laughs> You're like, what? how old are you? <laughs> I'm always going, Buffy, you've got a spoon next to you. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, so actually, similar to me with the children wiggling, my children wiggle around so much at a time. How much of their food experience comes down to the environment and are there dinner time rules I should forget? Oh, I love it. Such great questions. So I just did a post actually about mealtime rules because I think there are so many that are things like everyone has to stay sitting at the table till the last person's finished. You have to finish what's on your plate or you have to eat your vegetables first. You know, mm, we've already yeah. talked about some of these and they're rules that are just so normal in society. And actually the mealtime environment really does matter you know I think one of the things that can help create kids who do love food and enjoy and want to come back to the table each time is how that environment is if it's stressful if it's pressured if they feel like they're forced to have something they don't want or if there's a battleground or if you're anxious Mm -hmm. they're not going to want to be there it's going to make that environment negative so again that's stepping back and saying how can we make this environment a bit more pleasant can really really help and I think yeah the mealtime environment really really does matter and those those mealtime rules it's really about working out as a family what rules do you want to you know so I do encourage my son will always have to ask if he wants to get down but I wouldn't force him to stay at the table because if he if you know especially if you've got a child who is a bit fussy if they want to get down and you're saying no you're staying here the next time they come into that chair, they're going to be a bit more reluctant and the next time even more so. So let them get down, but just, you know, try and get them to understand that, you know, have you finished and and ask them questions, see if they're finished. And then if they want to leave the table, yeah, avoid them getting distressed or crying or being unhappy there and take them out and allow them to get down because otherwise you're going to create a more negative environment if you're leaving them in there, if that makes sense. One person has said, I find I go back to meals I know they will eat Mm. rather than wasting food by trying new recipes. But I feel like I'm stuck Mm. in a rut with a handful of ideas. Yeah, it's so common, so normal. And we probably all do it to some degree. You know, we have our favourites. But as I did say before, and I'm so sorry, it's probably not what you want to hear, but as I said before, (laughs) that familiarity, you know, if they're familiar with five, when you try and add a six, they're going to be like, oh, no, you know, Mm -hmm. that's new, that's uncomfortable. I'm not not happy with that. Whereas the more variety we give them when they're younger, the more variety they're likely to accept as they get older. So what I would say in your situation, try and do it gradually. Maybe build in one meal or build in one food, you know. Maybe you offer the same meal, but you have a plate of broccoli on the side with it. Or, you know, you change something up in it. So rather than rice, it's couscous, for example. Just try and change one element of it. Keep it small, gradual, and just gradually build on those five meals. Because I promise you, it's so normal for parents to say, my kid will only eat two or three meals and or five certain foods. And it's about gradually building on that with the lack of pressure, Mm -hmm. with the enjoyment, with the role modelling, with that making that mealtime environment fun and enjoyable and you'll get back there but it's just yeah it just takes a bit of time and persistence and I think all of these tips that I've kind of said today consistency and persistence are two absolutely overriding things that you need to kind of really hone in and it's difficult you're tired at the end of the day and you think beans on toast is going to win so you know sometimes you've got to give yourself that yeah. you know that well on piece. that because once your kids start school a lot of kids get a hot meal at school yeah so can you alleviate some of the pressure when it comes to dinner time knowing that they have had Mm. a cooked hot meal at lunchtime 
Definitely. And I, I think parents always do feel like they have to provide a hot cooked meal. Yeah. But I always say, you know, you can easily balance the meal out with, you know, I, I love doing fridge raids. So let's open the fridge. What have we got that needs using up? And how can I make sure it's balanced? And, you know, I, I'm what I've been doing a lot on my page at the moment is these kind of like quick five minute non-cooked I meals. I mean, you know your market. I need something quick. <laughs> exactly. The kids are hungry. Quick. The traffic move out. Exactly that. Come on. <laughs> and I think we don't need to think it's got to be hot. It's yeah. got to be this. You know, sometimes a little picnic, a buffet in the evening is actually what you need mm -hmm. as a parent because you're exhausted and you've got food to use up and you haven't got time to cook and actually sometimes kids love it my son loves a little picnic buffet oh. and so get whatever you can out the fridge try and make sure you've got a bit of balance in there so maybe you've got you know some slices of chicken or you've got some you know lentils that you can scatter on something or um you know as i said some baked beans that mm -hmm. need eating up and offer that and, and let them tuck in and let them help themselves and sometimes again that kind of pressure off nice meal time be seeing so many different foods in front of them yeah. it doesn't have to always be a hot cooked meal to be balanced and to be giving them nutrition and to be filling them up yeah what are the right portion sizes for different mm. ages um, it's so normal for um, children to have different varying appetites. So follow their lead. Try not to worry too much about portion sizes because, you know, they're, they're, it will change as well day to day. So I think I said at the beginning about appetites varying. Yeah. And, you know, if they're having a growth spurt, boom, their appetite's going to go right up. As soon as their growth starts to peter off a little bit, their appetite's going to go down. If they're not feeling well, if they've got tummy ache, headache, teething, all of these things will affect their appetite. And if we're constantly thinking but you should be eating this amount, then we're going to be starting to override some of their own internal decisions about how much they want to eat. So it's really important to encourage that autonomy. You decide what mm -hmm. and you decide what you're offering and let them be the one that decides how much and what parts of that meal they eat. And honestly, it can, it can really save you from thinking, oh, well, they should be eating X or Y when that's not what they want right now. I had a, lo a load of comments from parents getting quite stressed about mm. food waste. Mm. The fact that, but my thing with that is that you can put it back in the fridge. Yeah. You can serve it up again the next yeah. day. Especially, I, I always say this to parents, like, if you are, especially if you're going through a fussy phase, leave some of it. So mm -hmm. leave, you know, serve up a smaller portion than what you normally would. And actually, there is research again that shows that if you give children smaller amounts, so you're not overwhelming them with a massive load on their plate, they're actually more inclined to eat it. Really? So if you think if you weren't wanting food and yeah. someone put a mountain in front of you, you might go... No, I can't. I can't even approach it. Yeah. Whereas if someone gave you just a small amount, you might think, yes, yeah, doable. I'm going to I'm going to give that a go. So they're actually more likely. And then they can ask for seconds if they want it. And or if it doesn't get eaten, fine, you can put the rest of it in the fridge. Exactly that and offer it again. I try and always find ways to use up because, yeah, the food waste can be really stressful. Mm. But also if you're eating the same meal and you've got, you know, they've left a plate of broccoli, then then you you can eat it. So that's why it's yeah. another good reason to try and have similar food. So like you said, the family of all having the same food that's what's on offer and if parts of it doesn't get eaten we can eat it or we can save it for the next day Do you think about plate size at all i know it's a it might be a really silly mm. comment like all of us us five are now 
all on adult size plates. Okay, yeah. Like it's a different size portions within yeah. it, but yeah. they all the kids seem to like the fact that we are having all adult having, plates. Yeah, having the one meal. Yeah, I love that, and I think you know I I never trust my two with the uh, the family plates. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. So we've had them for quite a while. So it's one of those that some of them are already chipped. So we're just okay, going with it. Just going yeah, with it. Fair yeah. enough. I think yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because it, again, it's going to be so variable depending mm. on the children. And also, I do find with plate sizes, again, it's so their yeah. appetite changes every single day. So if you can go with pet, you know, the adult plates, it is quite a novelty sometimes, isn't it? They're like, yeah. oh, we're eating on the adult plates. Sometimes I say that to Rafi. I'm like, I'm giving it to you on an adult plate, and he loves it. <laughs> and he's always saying, I want the big one. I want the big one all the time. So I think sometimes it can be a little novelty if you, you know, if you can risk it. But uh, yeah, I love. Well, it's I just love so that. funny though that even like plates and cutlery, mm. they're milestones within themselves. Yeah, like the kids. So two of them are now on adult cutlery. Yeah, and that's it. That that is like mind blowing yeah. to me that they don't even have to have the little ones anymore. They look silly holding the little but ones. Also quite sad. It's like, yeah. oh no. What I mean, am I we've get got yeah, cutlery? we've only got the knives and forks that Max now use mm. are pro- just smaller size. Yeah, 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 yeah. smaller the, but metal yeah, ones. Yeah, metal exactly. ones. So yeah. that's really strange, not having mm. any of the plastic kind of or I know, wooden the ones anymore. baby ones. Yeah. Well, I think like with cutlery, so the baby ones are really good in the initial phase. Mm. But parents are really concerned about cutlery and when can you offer metal ones? When can you move on from the from the real, you know, baby plasticky ones? But um, actually, you could move on fairly quickly, especially if they're becoming quite competent with using them. So I'd say, you know, one, it's a good idea to start introducing knife and fork and getting them used to, you know, trying to use them. They're not going to be able to use a knife yeah. and fork at that age, but it's just like letting them explore a little bit and you know help show them how to use it but um yeah i completely agree both pretty much both my two now i would say are more or less on like mini smaller versions of adult cutlery but yeah it is sad and it is it's just about again following their lead Mm. so following them what do they seem like they're competent with and if they're really competent with eating then allowing them to have the same same as you and yeah but as i say i find it really sad when you know ada's no longer having the baby ones i'm like oh no i know <laughs> oh, I know, brilliant. and then do you leave them in the drawer for other people when they come over, or do you just go, nah, they'll bring it yeah, if they need it? <laughs> yeah, so true. See, like, well, honestly, you should see my cupboards. You really? should see how many baby plates and baby cutlery. Oh, it's, yeah, I've got so many. Absolutely <laughs> buckets of them, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, doing what you do, I'm not surprised. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what is your biggest tip and takeaway that you want people to grasp onto when it comes to weaning? I think the main thing I would say is... Think about it as an exploration. Mm. It's new for you. It's new for them. It's not going to work and go click overnight. But just allow them to think of it as fun and a journey and exploring. And that can take the pressure off you and them and just make it so much more enjoyable. And if it's more enjoyable, you're both going to want to do it more. So that would be my main thing. I probably said about 10 things in one there, but, you know, <laughs> that's my main tip. I love it. I love it. And I know people are so put off by the mess of weaning, mm. but there is no real... It's going to be messy. It's going to be messy, especially if you're going down a bit of a following baby's lead approach. Yeah. It is going to be messy. And they do eventually mm. <laughs> stop being messy with the food. But Takes I mean, great photos to capture for their 18th. Well, exactly. Silver exactly. Line. And it is. And, it, you know, that's all about the exploration too. But honestly, I'm finding that my son, Rafi, who's five, is more messy at the moment than Ada. <laughs> and I keep saying to him, Rafi, <laughs> what's going on with that? Is that normal? <laughs> it's so funny. So funny. Um, at the end of every episode, I ask you to finish three sentences. Okay. Okay, the first one is, <laughs> being a parent means... 
chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, especially parent of two. Yeah. It was a game changer. If I could tell you one thing, it would be... That most things in childhood and in feeding kids are a phase. That's what I would say. I think so often, you know, we're so wrapped up in Googling and panicking and actually we forget that that's not going to be, you know, we're not going to be thinking about that in a month. Yeah. So everything is a phase, even the good and bad, really. But I, I, I always say that to parents, it's probably just a phase. I mean, my Google history over the last mm. eight years, <laughs> some of the things I would have Googled like late at night. Yeah. And I'm happy when. The sun's out and the kids are playing in the garden. Is that nice, okay? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> when they're playing nicely and there's no screams, which is, you know, 30 seconds here and there, but I'll take it. <laughs> it's always, I find that they are having the best time mm. and all the laughter and the squeals. Oh, it's yeah. so much fun. You just know. Yeah. Someone's going to push it yeah. too far. There's going to be a scream yes. any minute. Yeah, but you don't want to be the one to ruin the fun yeah. while it's happening. It's so true. You just have to know it's going to happen. It's so true. But I do love that. And I feel like, you know, we've been through, a couple of years of lockdown and now you know the sun's coming out of summer I like I say I feel like I'm finding my feet with parenthood and so that is what I'm enjoying right now is that like garden play me not having to get involved I can sit there with a cup of tea or a glass of wine (laughs) (laughs) and just letting just watching them play because it is lovely isn't it It when it actually starts to happen yeah I love it (laughs) Charlotte thank you so much I've got to say if there's one area Mm. of motherhood that makes me a little bit broody and I'm not going to go before <laughs> but it is weaning. Thank I you. I love it. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I, yeah, I, I share your passion. I love weaning too. Thank you so much for having Thank me on. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.